Bienvenidos tu Merendeando, parto Radio Aluna Theater. You're about to listen to a repost from Season 3 with José Torres Tama. As we gear up to the Rutas Festival where we're gonna see him live. And to help us introduce this repost, we have the one and only Beatriz Pisano. Let's get started. Rutas is about bringing artists from all over the Americas and keeping these relationships alive regardless of any borders separating us. And we are about to listen to the repost of Jose Torres Tama episode. And we know that he was supposed to come to the Las Rutas before it got canceled because of the pandemic. Why, why did you say, yes, I want to have Jose Torres Tama come to Toronto and show people all that he can do? Because who wouldn't want to meet this man? who's fascinating. You know, he he's originally from Ecuador, he's part Quechua, and he brings, he lives in New Orleans, so he brings all these different rituals from these different cultures into his performance art, right? So it is fascinating, and he is vocal, <laughs> and he's loud, and he's engaging, and as I said before, he is an amazing human being. He is an artist, he's a painter, he's a poet, he's, he's so many things. He's really that, that generation of artists who, who work with so many different, different disciplines. And so I'm fascinated by his work. Uh, first of all, as a, I've always been an atrevido. My mama, ay mijo, tú eres tan atrevido, no? <laughs> Uh, and I've always been that way, you know, and I would go and I would do the slams at the infamous and famous um, New York Poets Cafe. And I would go there and I would win this. I would, you know, I, I, when I first, and I loved it when I just, I just showed up, right? I was like, I wanted to go, you know, and I knew some people there that I had known that I had been connected to because I already had been performing in New York. I was like, I just wanted to show up at a slam you know, with, and nobody knowing me and then boom, and I dropped my stuff and I won the first slam that I, I was ever there. And then one of the, Keith Roach was there and Lois Griffin, really two brilliant African-American poets themselves who are in that book called uh, Living Out Loud or something. It's about the New Yorican Poets Cafe, right? And uh, so they're like, hey, that was good. Um, so you want to come on Wednesday? You know, the the, um, the competition gets a little bit stiffer. I said, sure, sure, I'd be happy to come. So I come on Wednesday and boom, and I win that slam. And they're like, whoa, that was good. Okay, all right, all right. Let's curate you into the, the Friday slam, which is a curated slam with some of the top winners from previous slams, sure, you know, and boom, and I won that slam. And, you know, it was just like, uh, you know, but granted, I was rehearsing the shit out of my stuff because you have to be three minutes, you know, like you can't go, they're very strict rules, three, three minutes and each round, there's three rounds, you got to do a new poem. Yeah, so I created some of my best work during that time period because it was like, you know, you were thrown down with people like Sarah Jones, uh, you know, some amazing, uh, Willy Perdomo, you know, the young Willy Perdomo back then. And when I won the third slam, they were like, wow, you know, we'd like to consider to invite you into the New Yorican Poets team. And I was like, sure, that would be an honor. Uh, but uh, Lois said, so are these part of a, a show? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, this is part of my new solo show. So they happened to produce three of my works from just the slams. Uh, so showing up from, from 19, I was back there in 1996. So, the, so in like um, three or four years time, they produced each one of my early solos. So there's a lot to be said for just showing up and throwing down your work, right? Um, I do believe that 
when you do it under such really naked circumstances and raw circumstances, you have the most important ingredients, and that is the power of your text, of your poetic text, and then your delivery. And then, of course, I always tell poets, if you memorize your stuff, you could drop it from the top of your dome. And if you memorize and playing backwards, you could do whatever you want for it. And you could really, the word becomes flesh, right? You can really uh, inhabit what you have to say and do all kinds of, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of all kinds of duende-like rituals. And when I was in college, I read a lot about Federico Garcia Lorca. I'm a big fan of his work. And he believed in duende. He believed that the artist needs to be, you know, possessed by the duende, the flamenco dancer and the flamenco guitarist. And, and boom, and you fly and you become avatars of new troops. I think to be a performance artist, you have to be a stream atrevido. And I am that because I'm willing to speak. And quite honestly, I'm often say, you know, people say, oh, it's so avant-garde. And I said, no, no, no. All I'm doing is pointing out the obvious. And that's avant-garde in a country that dares not to look at itself and its atrocities in the mirror. That dares to forget its own atrocities because you can't create a greater sci-fi, sci-fi or science fiction narrative than a so-called freedom land built on the near genocide extermination of native people. The lands transformed into perverse private property, having the empire built by the enslavement of African men, women, and children. What we saw at the Rio Grande border with children in cages, that's nothing new. We've seen that here in New Orleans. We've seen women and children and men on auction blocks and in cages being sold. That's part of the legacy of this country. It's within my DNA to make sure that I speak my people's stories and my people's pain. And I have the prism uh, that is my point of departure of dealing with the trauma of the immigrant experience. And that's what my work deals with. So therefore, in the docu-theater process projects that I've developed that include Aliens, Immigrants, and Other Evildoers as the first one, the solo show, and then the ensemble of the Taco Truck Theater as the second one, that's a part of the, there's an immigration trilogy. And the third one is United States of Amnesia. That's the third part of the trilogy. It is, it has been my prime directive to make sure that it's driven by people's stories. That yes, I could present my own story, but I, I began the docu-theater process because I really wanted to hear from people living the peril of what we know as the undocumented status. Therefore, looking with their permission to bring forth those stories in Aliens, I inhabited those stories. I performed the story of Honduran, of a Honduran reconstruction worker who almost lost um, his hand during a job. It was uh, epic and archetypal of the kind of um, intense labor brutality that our people were experiencing there with human rights violations and not having the proper equipment, being housed in, you know, in, in trailers that were really meant for two people and they would house 17 people, like he says, like an animal. And then uh, also the story of the Nicaraguan woman and I make the gender leap and I transform myself into the Nicaraguan woman that I interviewed in Houston, who's completely bilingual, working on her master's, who said to me, si sí, Jose, yo soy ilegal, I'm illegal, yo crucé con, mi, con mis cuatro hermanitas, we crossed with my, it was four little girls crossing in the late of night, the Rio Grande border. So I wanted to bring what is sometimes referred to as efficacy, right? Bring real truth to the narratives 
of the show of aliens, immigrants, and other evildoers by therefore doing actually propelling immigrant stories onto the stages of the United States that are rare. In fact, I wrote a piece called Staging Immigrant Stories for HowlRound Journal on that being the prime directive. So yes, I'm very much interested in doing so. And in doing so, all the, the day laborers and the Congress of day laborers and the immigrant people know that we do that in all my previous shows and especially in the Taco Truck Theater. And we give out in the Taco Truck Theater shout outs to the Congress of day laborers, to the activists, because we can do that. All of my work also has improvisational elements. You know, I'm not bound by any script that's always continuously changing. In addition, um, we break the fourth wall continuously. I do that within my performances. So in terms of this question, yes, I am a big believer, and it's my major prime directive to bring my people's story. Lo que yo le llamo el dolor de la gente y la lucha de la gente, ¿no? En los cuentos que presentamos. Y los hacemos simplemente porque nos han hecho invisible. And I do it because we've been made invisible here. Post-Katrina, a lot of people don't realize that this city has been rebuilt by thousands upon thousands of immigrant laborers. And to be clear for people who, are, who don't know this, you are based in New Orleans, right? Yeah, so Katrina, yeah. yeah. And I'm inspired very much by the work of Eduardo Galeano. For those of you who may not know him, he's like our Naomi Klein, Howard Zinn, and uh, Nam Chomsky put together, right? Um, and Galeano says this very important. He's been a conceptual mentor of mine. I never got a chance to meet him, but I've been a disciple of all his work. He says, it's very important to realize that there are governments and agencies, cultural agencies that work with governments to decide who should be remembered and who should be forgotten, especially in Latin American governments, like in Argentina, in Chile. The Madres in Argentina are still looking and demonstrating with the disappeared, right? And right now in Mexico, we have so many women being disappeared, right? There's a lot of work that we need to do, but we need to demand it. Mm -hmm. We need to demand it. That's all, this is a puzzle. We need to demand it. Right now, and I always tell my boys, I said, no tengo paciencia para gente sin conciencia. <clears throat> no tengo paciencia para gente sin conciencia. <clears throat> no tengo paciencia para gente sin conciencia. I've got no patience now for people without consciousness. So if we don't say anything, it's part of our problem. Hmm. We have to say everything we can right now. If we don't, the, the plantation's not gonna give up the power because no one's gonna come saying, uh, excuse me, sir, we're, we're from the plantation and um, we really would like to change the paradigm. We'd like to have a, you, you talk a lot about the Eurocentric paradigm power structure and shifting that narrative, but uh, we're knocking on your door for you to give us some clues on how we can change <laughs> a particular nepotistic uh, perspective that you know we suffer from because we love to see each other in the mirror all the time and you know we know we, we know we got to offer you uh, you know a little space and you know and i do like me some tacos uh so uh and i know you you're ecuadorian i don't even know what your people eat what what do you really want mr boca mucho grande <laughs> you know, that's just for you guys right that's this is <laughs> right so they're not going to become knocked they're not knocking on your door that's not going to happen right so we have to push the doors down uh, as latin women there latinx women in canada to make sure your voices are heard you know you have to impose yourselves upon uh, the situations where the control is quite obvious right yeah and I think we have, we all have to hold them to task. I, I love that question of um, 
what will be this month's special at the Taco Truck Theater, right? And the Taco Truck Theater literally, literally parked right outside my door. So for people who are listening who aren't super familiar with the project, it's like a theater on wheels ensemble performance, which challenges the anti-immigrant hysteria and is driven by a live music sound bed. Yeah, so we have an incredible cook, Heidi, that I don't know if you saw the film, Heidi's African-American, she makes all the fabulous food. So Heidi was really brilliant and very open. And, I, and she, was like, Hi, uh, she asked me, what do you want to see? And I said, and I said straight up, I said, look, I want to see the immigration reform burrito because we need that, right? And then the, I just thought, these are things that just came up in my head, you know, the guacamole, the dreamer's guacamole salad, right? And these are real food items people can buy and eat. Yeah. Yeah. When they, when they go, when they order them, they're like there on the menu and they have the ingredients and Heidi prepares them. And it's really quite funny. It's quite brilliant because it's a radical outdoor dinner theater. Like people are out there eating and there's nothing like performing. We've done it way in the daylight, but I love doing it at dusk when we're out there, like we did it at the New Orleans Museum of Art, and I encouraged him, I said, all right, let's start at seven. It was in April, it's still dusk, but then it transitions. The show's about 75, you know, 80 minutes, something like that. It, it goes by very quickly, actually. Um, but it transitions into night, and it's just magic. And then we have these uh, halogen work lights that hit the truck, and the way the truck is painted, it just gives it this magical, realist look. So it's really quite, uh, quite the... Um, outdoor radical dinner theater spectacle. And we align with Black Lives Matter because of our contingency uh, of our amazing non-binary African-American cellist poet performer, Spirit McIntyre. And they offer some really brilliant pieces. In fact, when I first engaged Spirit to be involved, I asked them, is there anything that you have on the Black Lives Matter issue? So we have to make sure that we understand it. Our, our theme for this show is no human being is illegal and Black Lives Matter. To make sure that we, we explore that parallel struggle of black and brown people in the United States, uh, but you know, with a constitution that has never really been written for us, right? Mm -hmm. So when I engaged Spirit, they told me there's a song that I have that I've constructed, composed, uh, that was inspired by the Sandra Bland brutal murder, right? And so we use that and then they came up with other pieces, whiteness and, um, and their Black Lives Matter. So it's really quite amazing. Um, and, you know, in, in the sense of engaging collaborators that we gave agency to, because that was always my interest, is like, let them speak from their voices. I mean, that's, that's the way that, you know, uh, but I engaged people that I had believed would offer some powerful things to say. The piece ends with two dramatic stories that I tell as a third person. I don't, I don't inhabit them. I, I tell them. And I would say, and Juanjo told me he was lost in the desert for five days in the Arizona heat. And he was actually hoping that La Migra immigration would catch them because they were dying of thirst. They were dehydrating already. There was a, two young boys that they left behind of maybe the ages of 12 and 13, that all they did was leave them with a container of water. And Juanjo did not know what happened. Right? So this kind of really dramatic story, and then Raul's story, of course, that you see in the film, is one where he's sequestered, right? He's sequestered uh, with the, that, that story that we're learning more and more. He's Honduran, he's sequestered. Um, and, uh, 
you know, he's about to be killed if the money's not wired to the account because they had reached out to his brother in Oklahoma. And literally when he sat, when Juanjo, Juanjo told me, you think my story, ¿tú crees que mi cuento está fuerte? Esperate que te va a decir Raúl, ¿no? And Raúl sits down, Raúl says to me in español, José, yo estaba 11 segundos a la muerte. I was 11 seconds from dying, right? And I'm like, wow. And then the story unfolds. So I, I give great uh, honor for people sharing these stories with me. And there's so many of them that we couldn't fill them all in the Taco Truck Theater performance because, again, it's also built on the agency and narratives of other performers, right? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that we're looking to do within the next year or so is figure out how to chronicle these stories in a larger format to make them more available. The project is continuously evolving. And now with United States of Amnesia, I'm going back into that docu-theater process. And in Washington, D.C., we're going to be interviewing Muslim, African-Americans, and uh, undocumented um, people, Latin people, to explore now where we are under this current administration and the gravity of what has happened in relationship as well to the pandemic. Some pretty heavy stuff sometimes, no? But the, as you could see with the Taco Truck Theater, it's also very funny, right? We, you know, I, I have to use humor. We all need humor. I love to say Google. Google, 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 Google. In fact, to be honest with you, Google is an actual Latin term. No, no, I'm going to break it down for you. Google is an old Aztec term. From the Aztec goddess, Google gets a quatle, which means look shit up and say, know your history in the United States of Amnesia. You know what I'm saying about those? Because I'm saying it. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have a uh, question for you. So yeah. it really sounds like there's, you're just saying the truth. You're saying what you see, what you learn. I see that it's a lot of, I don't know, the word reimagining comes through only because it's reimagining a narrative that we're sold. That's all. For people who might be shocked by the news that you're saying, by the facts that you're spewing. Absolutely. Um, that's what we have to do. That's where, that's, but that, those are the special eyes of the prism that we have, not prison, but the prism that I have as an Ecuadorian immigrant looking at, uh, as a, almost like an archeologist or an anthropologist, looking at the lies that are part of this country's history. It offers me a different window and door to really look at the reality because I'm not subjugated and I'm not actually colonized by that DNA blind nationalism that seems to be part of the problem in the United States of amnesia. Because mm-hmm. people have to forget, you know, I tell them it's the artist's job to remember. Check out the Rutas Festival from September 22nd to October 9th. For more information, visit alunatheater.ca. Hope to see you there. We're speaking from Takoronto. This is the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee, the Nashinabe, the Wenda, and Mississaugas of the Credit. This land is covered by the digital one spoon, wampum, and treaty 13 also known as the Toronto Purchase. At Aluna, we remember that people can begin to heal when they are hurt. We are committed to artful participation in disagreements. We are committed to unsettling ourselves towards connection, respect, and justice for all people who now live in this city, which has been a meeting place since time immemorial. Radio Aluna Teatro is supported by Aluna Theatre with support from the Toronto Arts Council, the Ontario Arts Council, the Canada Council for the Arts, the Department of Canadian Heritage, and TD Bank. Aluna Theatre is Beatriz Pisano and Trevor Shellness. Radio Aluna Teatro is produced by Monica Garrido and Lucia Linares. For more about Aluna Theatre, visit us at alunatheatre.ca. 
follow at Aluna Theater on Twitter or Instagram or like us on Facebook.